Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you here and, and uh, also welcome to those of you who are on vacation and following from there or just tuning in. We, we hope you'll make a habit if you're in town to be here to sense God's presence uh, in the midst of, of uh, this wonderful, wonderful fellowship. It is really good to be here, is it not? You can get cool down here and all that. Can you believe, I'm just asking you, can you believe that Troy just said, I'm not going to pray for rain? Didn't he just say that? I can't, I can't believe that. No, I, I, you know, we'll excuse that. But it's probably because uh, Troy and, and Jennifer have been so busy this week. And those of you who are just here on Sundays and don't really know what, what might be happening throughout the week, this was a great week. A lot of people heard the gospel and, and a lot of kids were around. And so thank you for all, all you do. Uh, this is uh, very special. I think God is doing a tremendous uh, work. Is he preparing our hearts and our souls for what is coming? And, and uh, I have no doubt the more I pray, and I do that every single day for First Baptist Church in Louisville, that God is, is on the move here, and he wants to move around in our midst, among us, in our hearts, and I hope you will be part of that in the strongest way. We are in the midst of a prayer, a series on prayer, and, and the last Sunday we kind of moved to, to the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter one, where we looked at, where we looked at a significant kind of a thing, and I hope if you didn't have time to, to, uh, to be here last Sunday or didn't have a chance to even watch online, you'll go back and look at that. Uh, we were simply asked the question, what's going on? So much mess is in the world. Where's God in all that? And so last time uh, in chapter one, we were asking the question, what does it mean to be looking for God? And then this time, or this, this Sunday morning, we'll look at chapter 2 under the heading, you know, waiting for God. And then next Sunday, uh, we will be looking at chapter 3 uh, under the heading of finding God. That's really what's happening here in the book of uh, Habakkuk speaks to this situation where he's frustrated. What in the world is going on? So let me just begin here as you find this book, right? And you go to the end of the Old Testament and flip back until you see it, right? That's the easiest way to say that. Uh, you know, we live in it. We live in a society. We just like things to happen now. We, we're not good with the word wait, right? We get to long lines and, and we, we're thinking, what in the world's going on here? We see that from airport and other places and we're thinking that something is wrong, right? If you be put on hold, can you think of anything more frustrating than being on hold? Yes. We just don't like to wait. We, we, we go to a shop or to a store and we want to buy things and we take it for granted that they obviously have that in stock. And if they don't, we just go to some other place. And if they don't, we'll just buy it on Amazon, right? I mean, then what in the world? We just don't want to wait. And if we have to give a little extra to get it that same afternoon, so be it. We want it now. And that's true on all levels, right? If, if I want something I can't afford, well, we'll just buy it on credit, right? Because what? We want it now. I'm thinking about, oh, maybe I'm hungry right now. So we drive by someplace. We call it fast food, right? And if it takes more than five minutes, there's something wrong. We'll get it, grab it, eat it while we drive, right? So we can get it done. Dinner is not a 
Let's plan this whole thing and spend a long time over and over again. When we come home, we, we, we just live on the thing and everything is streamed so we can see whatever movie we want, whatever we want, right? We can see the news, whatever we want. God forbid that we had to wait 30 minutes to get the news, right? When they come on in 30 minutes, it's already outdated because it's now. Right? Everything is like that. We have a discussion. We don't have to wait to figure out if that's so. Say, hey, Siri, how about this? And it'll tell us right there. Just like that. Now, now, now. Some of you get on your computer and the web page loads in eight seconds rather than instantly. And you're on the phone and you sit out and you say, I got the slowest computer ever. <laughs> because I could have spent those eight seconds so much more productively than waiting for that web page to load. And because that is true in the so-called secular part of our lives, that everything has to be instant and right now. The so-called, we can call that the trivial mundane parts of life it has a way of rubbing off on our spiritual life as well thousands and thousands millions of people want to have a deeper spiritual dimension in their lives but it better happen now so they join little places where you can get instant spiritual type gratification and and even christians sometimes buy into that we say i need to be with god so we pray a two-second prayer and we want to make it long we just repeat the same thing five times and we say poof we've been with god that's my spiritual life waiting is not good these days and god why are you not streaming yourself why could it not be we say, hey, Siri, I want to meet with God. Go in two minutes and 35 seconds so I don't have to spend too much intro time. Just get it to me now. So here, how do we as Christians, I hope you found Habakkuk chapter 2 by now. How do we as Christians relate to a text that talks about waiting for God? How are we going to understand when God says, wait? When the biblical texts are talking about God doing things on his schedule, in his timing, in his way, rather than the way that fits us. Now think of what we did with last Sunday and then look here as we talk about waiting for God. I will stand in my guard post. Chapter 2 was 1, Habakkuk says. And I will station myself on the lookout tower. I'll watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply or conclude about the complaint I brought. The Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tables so that one may easily read it. For the vision is yet 
for the appointed time. Or maybe even translated better, the vision awaits the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie, though it delays, wait for it. Since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated. He's without integrity. But the righteous one will live by faith. When God says, wait. I wonder if some of you, I certainly have at times, wondered why we have to wait for God. God can't be slower than me. What is all this about? That, that can't be true, and it's, it's not. That's a misunderstanding. To wait for God does not mean that God kind of is, is slow on the up, up go, so to speak, right? In reality, it's not really us waiting for God as much as it is God waiting for us to understand what is going on. He has to delay so that we have the time to actually understand what he is doing and how he is communicating that also to us. So the one side of God's weight, if you will, are two sides to God's weight. The one side has to do with us waiting for the time when the circumstances and the realities and our own understanding is at the point where it makes sense for God to move as he has planned and wants to do so. The other side of God's weight speaks to him Guiding us, allowing us to grasp that understanding that is necessary so that when the opportune time comes, or the appointed time, as the text says here, we know how to follow his will. So let's try to look at those sides. Why does God use the word wait? Or ask us to wait. He does so because both time and circumstance and we have to be prepared that we may be able to act as is necessary at that point. You know the word immediacy or urgency? That's not a word that God considers much. It doesn't matter really much to God about things being urgent for us. So the question is, what does it mean here that it is the appointed time? What, what is the reference here? What's going on when you think of that? Well, we know in Scripture it says, when the time was fulfilled, God sent his son at the right time. 
Now, why was that? Why did he not send him like 200 years earlier or 500 years later or a thousand years earlier? What was this whole time? What was at the appointed time all about? Well, that particular time when Christ was born, everything was ready for. We can see that now. They couldn't see that then. That was the time when the roads were ready, when, when the postal system were kind of budding, when you had a, a common language uh, around the whole kind of known world they all spoke Greek and so Paul could write his letters he could travel they could send the letters it was possible for people to communicate the gospel could spread from a small little village in Judea all around the whole globe just like that at the right time God could do his thing and and there was a wait if you had been before that and you see it after that what is going on he is overlooking the whole situation when we think that we got it all he could see what we could not for us it needs to be right here and right now and if it's not right here and right now we we think something is Wrong. It can't be right. Why would I wait? And God says, slow up. Look what he is saying here also, Habakkuk. He is saying, I will stand up on that lookout tower, that place where he could oversee what was going on so he could get a better grasp of the whole thing. That is exactly what the situation was right here one side of God's weight has to do with us getting ready with all things falling into place that God may move in ways that we cannot see just yet so let me just encourage you with that spend time seeking God seeking that kind of understanding As he said in the last chapter we read last Sunday, and again, I will encourage you to go back if you are not there. Don't be frustrated, Habakkuk. I see what you see. I know what's going on. I have a different solution than you think I should have. Trust me and notice how I act. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. That's the one side. The other side has for us to understand the importance of waiting for God's voice. Have we not all answered emails we shouldn't have answered? You shut an email off, you're thinking, the next day you think, why didn't I wait? now I would have said that so much differently or a phone call and we're just too rash we're too quick or or this and that going on and and we are not thinking that through is this the way I best represent that I'm a follower of Christ is this the way I best speak on behalf of God in this situation think of that for just a moment when Jesus teaches us to pray 
Lead us not into temptation. That is what that is all about. I wish they hadn't translated it like that because we hear that wrongly nowadays as if God was actually sometimes leading us to temptation. The better way of translating that, actually, if they'd done it more literally, they would have said, let us not be let into temptation. That is, protect us from ourselves that we don't do stupid things. I don't know if I should share this, but this speaks also to priorities sometimes. We're tempted to do things that gives us instant kind of gratification or instant kind of expression of what we want. And we know how much pain that brings to people in so many different ways. Jesus tells a parable actually about that. We call him the rich fool. You can read about it in, in, uh, in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, where he tells this parable of a farmer where everything is going fantastic and he has a greater crop than ever. And he says, okay, I'm going to figure out what I would do for me that helpful for me. No consideration of who God is. No consideration of, of what his ministry would be as he's a follower of God. And he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build these barns. I'm going to do these things. And Jesus says, oh, you fool. Oh, you fool. What gain is it you that you can win the whole world but have to pay with your soul? Forgive me if, if this sounds uh, wrong when I say it here. The first experience I had of this kind of long-term kind of thinking through was I was not even a, I was not even a teenager yet. Uh, you know, I grew up, we played soccer. That's a, every little sand lot kind of was a soccer lot right here. It may have been baseball there was soccer. We all played soccer all the time. And so we had club sport for soccer, and that started already when you, you know, uh, before you were a teenager. And uh, I wanted to, I was good at it, I was fast, I was quick, I was nimble, I was, you know, coordinated, I was good at it. And so I wanted to join this club, and my dad said, no. I was so angry. All my friends were doing, my church friends were doing, other people were doing it, and my dad said, you're not doing it. You can play any sport you want. I'll support you in everything you want, but not a sport that plays competition on Sundays. No, we're not sitting on bleachers on Sundays. We're sitting on pews. And I was, you know, I was, what do I understand when you're 11? But as time went, and my friends, you know, came less and less and got friends outside and were never there on Sunday. Their parents were not either and, and things were in a, and we were there and we saw God work in our family in strong ways. I forgot how old I was before I realized, boy, that dude was smart and I call him dad. Don't misunderstand that. I'm not trying to say that in, in any other way than to say these kind of priorities play into God's weight. God is not throwing you into things that we, you're not prepared to handle. He oversees the whole situation and listen to him, understanding what he is saying, waiting till you have 
his green light. That was exactly Habakkuk's situation. And so as you look here at verses 3, 2 and 3, you'll see just that. The Lord answered me and said, I want you to write down this vision that I'm giving you and do it clearly so that you can share it. That's the whole point. Do it so you can share it. Look at verse 1, look at verse 2, look at verse 3, and you'll see just that. Why does God say wait? Because he wants situations and us to see what he is about and situations to be ready that he can do what needs to be done in the most powerful way. He has not forgotten us. He's not out of the picture. Don't miss this. So that is why he's saying, wait, so how are we supposed to wait? And look here, what, what the attitude of Habakkuk is all about when it comes to here, completely convinced that God obviously will answer. Habakkuk decides that I'm going to be on the outlook. I'll be on this post high up, looking out so I can see. I want to see how God is responding to my complaint that he's not doing things my way. And the picture here is of someone who's stepping back for a moment and waiting for God. And here's the attitude. He has now surrendered this to God. He trusts that God will do what God says that he will do, that he will take care of it. And I have to, you know, I'll read that and I have to ask myself, is that my approach? Or is it just something I say? You know, we'll pray a prayer, Lord, take care of this. And when we say amen, we're right back on planning as if we never prayed the prayer. We're not giving it to the Lord, right? Remember that old gospel song? Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. That's tough. To leave it there, is it not? Jesus knows the pain you feel. Right? And he can save. And he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord. And leave it there. And notice how he waits. He waits with anticipatory kind of expectation, if you will. In complete awareness that God is going to act. It doesn't dawn on him that God's wait means that God's not going to do his thing. He's waiting for God. And it has relieved him of his worry. It has liberated him to live the life that God has already called him to live and the ministry he has given him in the kind of calling and the tasks that were his because he could leave his worry about the future in God's hand. That's exactly what the reference is in chapter 4, in verse 4, sorry, here, when it says the righteous person will live by faith. He trusted God, and so he moved in faith. And what is faith? Faith, of course, is, according to Hebrews, this complete conviction 
that God is taking care of even the things that we can't see. In fact, that word right here, verse 4, I feel like I need to. I see time is running. But, but uh, Paul took that, the righteous shall live by faith. And quoted it both in Romans and, and Galatians. And, and Martin Luther later took that and he felt like it fits so much with his own experience that he took that and made that a center point of the whole Reformation. The Protestant faith, that is the center point that you are saved by faith. You're made righteous by faith. But for Habakkuk, that was not the point. Not even at all. Habakkuk was not trying to formulate some kind of faith statement about how salvation comes by faith alone through Christ alone. It's a different kind of truth that drove this word for him. For him, it was about how you and me wait for God's answer. How are we to live? And he says, if you're the righteous one, you will live by faith. That's what this is about. And actually, the word here, uh, we have so kind of skewed that word faith and turned it into a noun that just refers to something that you have mental convictions about. The word imonah, the, the Hebrew word, is a, is a verb that speaks to faithfulness, if you will. Living in faithfulness, which is what? He's talking about here. It's the exact same word uh, that is used when, when, when uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 40 that I speak, O Lord, about your faithfulness. It's the same word that is used in Second Chronicles 19 when Jehoshaphat commands the people and he says you must serve faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. Same word. So how is it? That we are supposed to wait for God when we sense that he's hesitating in trust, in faithfulness. Trusting that he has the power to take care of it. Being in anticipatory kind of a waiting position because we know his answer will come. And when it comes... It will create a joy we could not experience in any other way. It will, it will produce a peace that is incredible. In faithfulness toward the call and the ministry that he has given us. Among your neighbors, in your school classes, among your friends, at the workplaces. Trust that God has this world in his hand and then that you are supposed to do what he has asked you to do. Let me just conclude by this little illustration from Scripture. Remember Paul and Silas, chapter 16 of the book of Acts? They got thrown in jail. And they were, the, the guard was told to take extra good uh, protection. Well, they were told that he needed to make extra sure that they would not escape. So he put them in the inner hole and put, you know, uh, chains around their legs. 
And what happened? You know, they could have spent their time complaining. God, we had done nothing but, but trying to be, be righteous and trying to be good. We were sharing your word when this came and, and the whole, you know, mob turned against us. Why are we here? They didn't. Fully convinced that God had their lives in his hand. They'd done what they're supposed to do. God would have to take care of their chains. So they begin to sing praises. That's what they were supposed to do. Thanking God for who he was, thanking God for what he's done uh, to the world, praising him. And what happened? The chains fell off and they could walk free. Yes? Their concern was to do what God had called them to do. God said and free, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Friend, we are all facing all kinds of stuff. I'm not making this up. You know that, right? It's your life, my life. We get to live it once. The world is going Avery. How do we respond as a Christian church, as Christian people? Those that God has called and put his hand on, filled us with his spirit. Respond to him. Be looking for him, chapter 1. Hear it again if you didn't hear it. Wait for him. And then you will find him. We'll see that next time. We need churches and Christians, friends, that live that out. Imagine if all those who carried the name of Christ in North Dallas, what would not happen around the globe? Thank you for that testimony, right? If we heard what Habakkuk is teaching us. Father, I ask for this church right here. For those who are here, those who can't be here, who are following on us online, Father, speak and do so with power. There may be some that needs to say, hey, I've become a loner. I need to be a part of a fellowship. Father, let him find a welcoming fellowship right here, community that want to love them and help them grow as we all grow together. But there may be some that needs to know who you are. And all this stuff that we just talked about sounds like Russian to them, some weird place and a weird way of thinking that we don't understand. Father, would you speak? as only your spirit can. And as we get together as Christians here, may we sense your spirit. We need it, O oh Lord. Not only do we need it, but those around us need it. This city, this place, this whole state, this world, we need it, O oh Lord. Use us. We may go up that Logot Tower and anticipate that you will show us exactly what you're about and who you are. In your name, in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen.
stand friends here if you're back in your living room or your trailer or vacation home wherever you are you can stand too or kneel whatever let's spend this time friends some of you may want to come forward and pray others of you may want to just grab someone's hand and pray where you are